When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everyone. I'm Ro Rusak, and I'm a news editor at Nerdist. And as some of you might know, I'm a huge fan of all. Today, it is my absolute pleasure to sit down with the showrunner and creator of Hannibal, Brian Fuller, on the auspicious occasion of the show's 10th anniversary. Yes, the first ever episode of Hannibal, Aperitif, aired on April 4th, 2013. And incredibly, it has been a decade since that day. So welcome, Brian, and thank you so much for being here, and thank you, of course, for Hannibal. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the Hannibal family. So let's jump into our memory palace and take a, <laughs> take a trip back 10 years. Do you remember where you were and what you were feeling when that first episode of Hannibal finally aired? You know, it was, uh, we were in the throes of finishing the rest of the season so it was airing as we were you know trying to finalize cuts on the last few episodes and being able to land the plane so it was all very oh surreal there was a lot of of uh you know kind of press that we were doing for promotion and it wasn't until a little bit later i think maybe episode three or four that I became aware of Fanables and the Fanable movement. And I was like, oh, it me. Uh, so it, uh, it was, it, I wasn't quite aware of it yet. And I was also, we were having such a, an interesting struggle with NBC. And uh, there was a point of contention with one of the head ups uh, at NBC about casting Maz Mickelson. And mm. he held a grudge against the show and kind of pulled uh, a lot of support and a lot of promotion because uh, he didn't want Maz and everybody else did. And so I think when it was coming out, I was a little bitter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well that's totally understandable that's that's very crazy that that somebody could be so opposed to Maz who clearly just like inhabits the character oh yeah like it was it 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 was a little obnoxious and I remember when they finally submitted and allowed me to cast Maz uh, I wrote them a letter and I said, thank you so much. Uh, you know, he's exactly the right person for the role. I can't imagine anybody else in the role. And thank you for, for, for supporting the casting. And one of the executives, Jen Sulky, who remained such a huge supporter of the show and kept it on the air, was like, absolutely, we want to support you. Uh, Mass is going to be great. We can't wait to see it. 
And then her boss was like, well, you got what you wanted, you're on your own. And, and then pulled a lot of the promotional support for the show. And so it was, it was a very strange time because I was like, yeah. I, I believed in the show. I believed in the cast more than anything. So we were launching on the air with a fraction of the support that mm -hmm. we were supposed to be getting and kind of being moved around the schedule. And they immediately ordered the James Spader show uh, yes. to basically, you know, bury Hannibal in a way. They're mm -hmm. like, okay, you're not giving us what we want so we're going to do something else with it and honestly not not uh, not to be a bitch about it but I was yeah. I was uh, a little bitter and afraid for the future of the show it's interesting that you felt that way because I think just from the fan perspective we always kind of felt like we were pulling the boat a little and like yeah you were over. Like you the, were pulling the boat the scrappy like show that could but we loved it so purely which I think you also kind of reference. Absolutely. It was sort of like, I, I hadn't really thought about it until you're like, what were you thinking? And I was just like, you know, I was kind of pissy. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you know what? That's Hannibal for you. Yeah. The, the drama, the diva, the gloriousness. Uh, absolutely. And, and to your point, it really was the fanables that were pulling the show along and giving it the support that uh, a certain someone at the network was not not mm -hmm. Jen Silk. She was always supportive yeah. and always behind the show in in a supreme way. But there were forces that were definitely like definitely thought you know Maz was too weird, too inaccessible, mm -hmm. and couldn't see what we all saw as which was he is absolutely perfect for the role and yeah. elevated and transformed it and took us to a place that gave us such dignity and uh, elegance that I'm so glad that the, the Fanables recognized that and got behind Maz and Hugh. Yeah, kind of off of that, um, one thing that it feels like can be said about Hannibal by people who maybe aren't like as entrenched in it is that it feels like a niche show with like niche appeal. But I always like to say that I think it has almost near universal appeal because critics love it, horror fans love it, fans of queer TV and cinema love it, fandom people love it, prestige TV lovers love it. Like I need 10 hours to say how many people love Hannibal, 10 years. So I think uh -huh. it's only really a, like a small audience that doesn't love it. What do you think it is about Hannibal that makes it universal in that way, but yet, people get this impression that it's more niche than it is. Well, I think because it's, it's pretentious. <laughs> uh, at its core, I think that, that makes it niche, but I love pretension and, and I love the opportunity to be poetic, particularly visually. And, and this felt like at the beginning, you know, the show was, I, I think much more accessible and much more mm -hmm. you know, a television procedural in many ways that that I you know struggled with because I yeah. I don't usually watch a lot of procedurals because I can I can usually figure out what's going on by the end of the teaser. Yeah. You know, I, I need to have like a little bit of mystery. And I think there's mm -hmm. something fun uh about the twists and the turns that aren't easily traceable. Uh but there's something about the movement with top shelf TV or yeah. that that paves a way for a little bit more pretension. And I think 
that's part of the niche. So you have to sort of be fine with pretension going in. And then on top of that, I think you have to be hinging off of some personal outsider narrative mm -hmm. for yourself to access the characters because it is about outsiders not fitting in. And I think there's, that's, that's definitely a thematic in, in the stuff that I like to do is yeah. looking at the outsider. And, and that was, I think it's access point for a lot of people and a lot of the fanables who feel othered in their lives in some way. And it's also, you know, recalling the history of queer cinema and queer storytelling that those who know, know. If you feel othered and you're seeing yourself in these characters, then that is a validation of your, your place in the world. And I feel like the people who found Hannibal and found themselves in Hannibal deserved a validation. It's fine to be weird. There's something about the fanables that there's there's not rigidity there's not there's not this heavy-handed structure to protocol yeah uh, and i think with some of the fandoms there yeah. are these perceptions of protocol that feel mm -hmm. controlling or controlled and this yeah. fanable movement feels more like free love yes and i think that's kind of exactly right because i think more people are probably weird than normal so while Hannibal approaches from this like intense very pretentious or like elevated place the the theme that it gives once you cross that boundary is like about this you know this other perspective like you were saying and I think actually the majority of people fall into that to that label then than otherwise I, I, I do think the majority of people fall into that but I think there is a portion of those people who don't know, <laughs> who yes. just aren't aware enough or pretending to belong or creating a facsimile of belonging mm -hmm. that resonates with them in some way. And I think the people in the fanable community yes. know that they don't belong in certain spaces, but they belong with each other. And exactly. I think that's a distinction. I think so too. Um, so speaking of that, kind of the audience that found Hannibal, one question I've always had going back even further than 10 years to when you were creating the show, it hadn't aired, it was just like in that process, like what kind of an audience did you imagine would find Hannibal? And did you think it would get this kind of cult status, this kind of loyal audience, kind of queer audience, or were you imagining a, a different appeal? And were you surprised I, by I, I think Perhaps one of my shortcomings as a storyteller is that I think of myself as the audience mm -hmm. first. So it's it's about being specific to my wants and needs and desires as an audience member, and then uh, how that appeals to others is usually secondary in, in some way to a fault. I, <laughs> uh, because I just think, you know, what do I want to see and what would what would engage me and what would get me excited? And so I wasn't I, I wasn't thinking about the bigger mm -hmm. kind of populist attraction for the show as much as what was authentic and what the what the story itself was telling me it wanted to be and trying to listen to that as opposed to 
having an agenda for yeah. a big audience. And maybe yeah. that's why, you know, the shows I do are very niche and they don't have big mainstream audiences, but they have, you know, focused, dedicated audiences who enjoy the worlds. But there's something about the fanables that there's there's not rigidity. There's not there's not this heavy-handed structure to protocol. Yeah. Uh, and I think with some of the fandoms, there yeah. are these perceptions of protocol that feel mm-hmm. controlling or controlled. And this yeah. fanable movement feels more like free love. Finding a sense of spirituality in the narrative. Uh, and spirituality is very loosely defined in these terms. It's just sort of like who we feel we are, what is our identity, what like what who do we imagine um, ourselves to be in the world? And I feel like that is something that Will Graham was doing so intrinsically in the story is like he didn't, he knew what he was capable of, but he wasn't entirely sure of who he is. And Hannibal knows exactly who he is and knows exactly what he's capable of, but he saw somebody who could see him in a way that made him feel or allowed him to experience intimacy in a way that he never had before. Yeah. And, and I think that translates a little bit to the experience watching it, whether you're queer or feel othered in some other way, there's, there's access points to Hannibal in its weirdness in its pretension in its, queerness that that is a bridge to social binding that I think we've all experienced through the fanable yeah. movement and the fanable family that I think is is beautiful and the most important thing about the show I think yes I think so too a true legacy really for the the 10 years that Hannibal has has lived with us not to you know belabor season four because we've all talked about season four we said what we can say I think about the idea of it but when you imagine season four you know with the idea of this authenticity of the story and all of that like do you feel pulled in a specific direction if you were to like give birth to it now and does that feel different than what you had originally imagined coming off of season three and to the extent that you would want to share, like, what primarily has has changed in, in those visions? Well, it's not so much anything has changed in terms of, of how I'm imagining it as much as it's just gotten deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's something about, you know, where we left Will and Hannibal uh, at the cliff and this power tenderness and and intimacy that they are experiencing in that moment that feels like it's a launch pad and so I don't think I don't think we can pull back where that is but we have to continue the trajectory and continue that level of intimate exploration between these two men and (laughs) and their 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 queer love story their queer you know, blurring of, of identities and and how that would manifest in a narrative that we can track. And, and so it's not so much a an evolution as much as it is an extrapolation of, of, of what was kind of intended for or what is intended for, for season four. And and all you know it's it, it's funny because I'll you know I'll post something every once in a while on on social media of, of like a 
Hannibal flashback or something. And, and someone responded on Instagram. They're like, you know, I like the first two seasons, but I hated season three. And I was like, Ooh. well, like that's the trajectory. <laughs> like we're like, we're yeah. like, we're on a trajectory. So uh, if you didn't like season three, you probably won't like season four, but if you like the trajectory, you're going to love where it's going. Spending time with it uh, yeah. and thinking about it it does become more intimate and I do see pathways of expressing that intimacy in ways that I think that the, you know, the Fanable family will feel validated by and also doesn't feel like it's a cheat with the characters. I think, you know, for Hugh yes. and, you know, Maz was always like game to do, like, he's like, he's the devil, he's pansexual, he's, he see like, whatever is beautiful is what he's attracted to. And, uh, and, and he kind of ungenders Hannibal's attraction, which I think is mm -hmm. really progressive and insightful because yes. it, in, in the conversations with Maz, talking about Hannibal, he doesn't speak of him with any sort of binary uh, gendered identity. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of, he's Hannibal. He's, yes. he's genderless. He is manifesting in this form in a way that the devil has chosen. And yes. so I find that all really appealing because there's there's pieces of, of that that can start to be broken off and and examined more closely and and I think Will's state of mind in in season four is conducive to a a greater fluidity than his state of mind in the previous seasons. If that hmm. I, that. that didn't feel like word salad, but that's sort no, of no. <laughs> I'm with you. I love this because I love the descent into like the mythology and the opera and the fairy tale of Hannibal where it's like that's where the the true beauty of the show lies what makes it like nothing like next to nothing that that exists out there um so I think we're with you a hundred percent and definitely um you know I think I think we would all love to see that we kind of went into it I'm but I just thought I would share that if you type into the google bar like do will and hannibal the first question that pops up is do will and hannibal kiss so you know we would we would obviously love to give the google <laughs> an answer um in the future and have that answer be yes <laughs> well i like i i just did it so it's do will and hannibal end up together then it's do will and hannibal kiss and then it's do will and hannibal <laughs> do will and hannibal love each other do will and hannibal kill together do will and hannibal date uh, <laughs> well so yes to that one <laughs> hopefully all of the above you know they the i think there's something about a kiss that is such a unique expression that we have we've kind of filtered through this heteronormativity and when I say heteronormativity, I also mean kind of like strict gender parameters that are a little dull at this point. Um, it's, it's very familiar. And there, there's something about the transportation of a kiss. And uh, I feel like, you know, their, their lips lingered so long, uh, you know, hovering above each other yeah. that, uh, you know, once again, I, I don't think we can roll that back. I don't yeah. I don't think that's authentic. I don't think it's realistic yeah. for for two people to get to that moment. And if their story is continuing 
to ignore that from happening. Like I can see versions of, you know, suppression, but as we all know, with anything you suppress, it's just going to erupt louder and harder. Uh, when it as gets it were. Purchased. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's how it uh, innuendo intent. So I, I think that that it's fair to say that the the arc of their intimacy is continuing on an upward trajectory. Love that. Love to hear about that. Okay, well, now that we're kind of in this more Spanish <laughs> space, you're a fanable, I'm a fanable. Let's have a couple fanable forward questions. And the first one I, I would love to know is kind of what is your like first recollection of encountering the idea of fanables and what do you think about when you think about fanables uh like my first recollection of of hearing the term I think it was around episode three or four and somebody from NBC uh publicity and marketing asked if I would do a Q&A and she was like there's there is a a movement in the fandom that that refers to themselves as fanables and my first thought was like love good pun uh, and also how delight, I mean, I was delighted. It, like it was, it was pure delight to hear about it. Uh, because it was just like, oh, this, we so often work in a vacuum and we don't know if what we're trying to say is, is being heard. Um, and, and often we don't know exactly what we're trying to say. We just know that these yeah. are assembly of ideas and, and so much is figured out after the fact. It's like, oh, that's what that's what we were trying to say that's what we were we were following so it isn't necessarily like this rigid intellectual agenda as much as it is allowing yourself to be pulled into the stream hearing about it it being the the fanable uh movement it was just it was just delight it was pure delight it felt like uh, it felt like a hug coming across the phone yeah. that that uh, NBC marketing and public publicist, and so there was something about it that was like, oh, we're regardless of whether the show is going to be a hit or get numbers or stay on the air, it's making a connection, and I think that's yeah. that's what we want as artists is just to sort of go, you know. I'm feeling this and I'm trying to put it into a narrative and can like, can you pick up what I'm putting down? And so it felt like there were a lot of people picking up what I was putting down and showing it to me and helping me understand what the intention was, because in a vacuum, you're, you're never going to have that resolution of, of, of thought. And, and for me, it was, like Hannibal said, it was like, oh, I like, I, I like, you know, I felt seen. So Hannibal is, of course, a fanfic in and of itself. But if you had to write a fanfic of your Hannibal, maybe in some other setting like space or college, where would you set it and who would star? You know, I, I think it would always be Maz Mickelson. And, you know, there were, you know, some talks. How do you feel about doing a new Hannibal movie with a different actor. And I was like, I think that's somebody else's. The Hannibal that I'm intrinsically attached to is Maz Mickelson. And I feel like that we're partners in that story. Yes. If either of us are telling that story, we're side by side. And uh, otherwise we're not telling that story together um, or, or separately. So there's something about Hannibal being omnipresent and also this 
if we're if we're looking at it as this this kind of Judeo-Christian interpretation of the devil and and uh, seduction and clarity of oneself in in light of horrific things that actually become beautiful in, in the mm -hmm. process. You know, just for the interested, because I think this question could could be interesting to everybody, but if you had to prompt season four, like you were giving a prompt that describes season four in like three words, what words would, would be your prompt for, for season four as you envision it now? Uh, the first three that came to mind were lurid erotic intimacy. I love it. Uh, <laughs> first thought theater well there you go fanable writers lurid erotic intimacy that's your challenge for this anniversary so get to it um in the wrath of the lamb we saw a lot of connection and we saw a quasi kind of hanagram wedding hannibal was in yes. white they were in <laughs> church will was walking down the aisle but you know hannibal didn't really have the tools to throw a full-on bash at the time what or rather whom do you think hannibal would want to serve at their real wedding and would he be a bridezilla uh, uh, <laughs> i would imagine Hannibal wouldn't want to be a bridezilla. Uh, mm -hmm. I would he would have everything so meticulously planned that it wouldn't allow for room for yeah. failure. I mean, he pulled Correct. off crazy <laughs> stunts uh, and and vivisections with so much skill that I would think that going into it, it's going to go very smoothly. At its heart, Hannibal is a show all about transformation. The key theme could, after all, be adapt, evolve become. I feel from my own experiences that it transformed me very intensely. And from what I've witnessed, the love, community, and content of the show has transformed many other people as well. Whether it was just exactly whether it was just transforming what they thought was good TV or helping them to see something in themselves. So do you feel like Hannibal has transformed something in you? Absolutely. Uh I feel like it has given me a greater understanding of my own needs with intimacy. It's given me a sense of community uh, that I didn't realize could be so supportive and endearing and inspirational. Um, I find the Fanables incredibly inspiring. I feel like my relationship to other audience members, because I, I don't think of myself as a storyteller as, I mean, I, I do think of myself as a storyteller, but I, I primarily think of myself as an audience member who occasionally gets to put his hand on the wheels. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is something that I am mindful of inclusivity in a way that 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 kind of transcends expectations in this genre and i think we are we are experiencing transformation in the horror genre in a wonderful way i feel like queer people are taking the genre back whether whether we get to see actual queer narratives or or feeling that we see ourselves and other folks who may not identify as queer but queer and and feeling that kind of community I, I do feel a kinship with with the Fanables, uh, and I and I consider myself a Fanable. 
uh, hashtag Hanagram Forever. I think as a storyteller, because I've, I had been burned so many times about trying to tell queer stories and kind of yeah. oppressed and shut down and you know pushed away that whenever we encounter something that makes us feel elevated and included and inspired, we have to be really cognizant of that and also cognizant of sharing that feeling with others. And, and one of the things that I love about the Fanable community is that it is so disparate. There are so many different kinds of people being represented and so many different kinds of people. I love, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling to be part of the Fanable family. Well, what better note to end on than that, which I think is really the thesis statement of the last 10 years and why Hannibal remains such a show that people embrace and rewatch and continue to love and fight for, hope to see more of, but just revel in the community and the legacy the show has given them over the last 10 years. And of course, we're very excited, Brian, for your next project, Dust Bunny, a family horror movie with the Baz Mickelson, and of course, Crystal Lake, a new Friday the 13th prequel series, who I could think of no one better to tell. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on those, and hopefully we can reconnect to chat as things progress. And of course, hopefully we can meet 10 years from now on Hannibal's 20th anniversary, where with any luck, we will have four more seasons and a movie. Thank yes. you so much for being thank here. Thank you, Ro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. And happy anniversary to happy everyone anniversary. out there. <laughs>